Hello, everyone. Welcome to Culture Cast. My name is Jack Lipsy. Thank you for joining me today. Before we get into today's episode, be sure to go and visit us over at thedailyapologist.com. You can find our articles, videos, and podcasts over there. Also, you can find us on Facebook. Be sure to give us a like and a follow there as well. But also, you can find us on Twitter at daily underscore apologist, at daily underscore apologist. And you can also find me on Twitter at Jack Lipsy. That's at J A C K L I P S E Y. Now let's go ahead and jump right into today's episode. This is actually going to be a two parter, and here is why. For this week and next week, we're going to be talking about transgenderism. And today, for today's episode, I want to look at the logic of transgenderism in a few different facets of life that that we all encounter and come into contact with. And then next week, what I want to look at is a Christian response to transgenderism. How should Christians approach and relate to those who are suffering uh, from this mindset, and and I know that that I know that that sounds very uh, very upfront, but here's the here's the reason why I think that these two episodes are important. I recently started a book by Mark Yarhouse entitled "Understanding Gender Dysphoria," and I'm really struggling with this book. I'm really struggling with this book. It's not because I can't understand it. It's not that I don't understand what he's talking about and the different things that he's describing. Here is why I'm struggling with it. Because what he, and Mark Yarhouse is a psychologist. He deals with a lot of people and counsels a lot of people who are suffering from gender dysphoria. Here is why I'm struggling with this book. Because what he writes and what he has documented so far, as far as I've read, looks and sounds nothing like what we are seeing in the culture today. It looks nothing like the protests and and the people in the protests that we see on the news. It looks nothing like the YouTube videos of people who who are helping cisgender people navigate transgender issues. It looks nothing like that. There is a disconnect between what Yarhouse is describing and what we are seeing play out in society. That is why I'm struggling with it, because he's going against everything that we have been presented in the news and in the media. And it's starting to make me wonder, is there a chasm between those who truly suffer from gender dysphoria as a psychological issue as, for lack of a better term right now, as a mental illness described in the DSM-5 and 4, depending on which one you decide to go with. Is there a chasm between those who truly suffer from gender dysphoria and those who this is just how they feel? This is what's popular. They they feel that they don't fit in, and so they have just flippantly made this decision. Because what we are seeing in culture are those who want to completely eradicate gender and sex altogether. From what Yarhouse has described, and he's given a couple of examples, he has counseled people who are truly at odds with who they are biologically and what they are going through mentally, that there is a disconnect between them mentally and physically. But also, he says that those who he's counseled do not want to eradicate sex and gender. 
They don't want to do that. They themselves are going through this individually, and they are having a disconnect, and it's really bothering them. But from what we see on television and what we see in these protests, these people don't seem bothered. These people don't seem to be struggling. I'm I'm not trying to say that maybe they haven't, but they sure don't seem that way. If anything, the people that we see are angry. They are angry, and it looks as though they have taken up a cause that they identify with. Maybe, and this goes back to that Brown study that was done, the the rapid-onset gender dysphoria. Large groups, especially of teenage girls, large groups are coming out as gender fluid or coming out as, quote, transgender Are all of these people, right at the same time, discovering who they truly are on the inside? All of these people, right at the same time. And the way that Yarhouse describes it is that this is a rare occurrence. These are people who are truly at odds with themselves, and they they need to figure this out. The people that we see on television seem to have it figured out, and they just seem angry. They seem like they are being attacked, and from, from Yarhouse's perspective, the people that he sees don't necessarily feel personally attacked. They just feel this struggle. So, it seems that there is a difference between those true, truly struggling with a disconnect between their biological sex and gender identity, and it, it seems like there's a disconnect between those people and then those who just want to raise their kids as gender fluid or intentionally block puberty until the child makes their own gender decision seems to be a big disconnect between those two ideologies. And I wonder, given Yarhouse's experience and given what gender dysphoria is, I wonder how many people in these protests and these activists would actually clinically be diagnosed with gender dysphoria. That again, I'm not making a judgment call. I'm asking a serious question. It's just a, it's just a thought that I have. So, as I said, this is going to be a two-part episode. Next week, we will be looking at a Christian response to those who are transgender, both those who have gender dysphoria and those that we see on television. What should our response be to everybody with this ideology? But today, we're going to be looking at the logic of transgenderism. And the first thing I want to talk about is the logic in individuals. What does it mean, actually mean, for a biological man to identify as a woman and vice versa? And let's go ahead and take one of the most recent examples and one of the most popular examples, and that's Bruce Jenner. He felt that he was a woman living in a man's body. He transitioned to female. But... In a movement, the transgender movement, that seeks to tear down gender norms, you know, the, the what does it mean to be masculine, what does it mean to be feminine, and how we need to tear down these gender norms, the, these societal structures, it seems that for some to transition to the opposite sex is to adopt the very norms they seem to want to dissolve. Look at Bruce Jenner now. Long hair, wears a lot of makeup, wears women's clothing, Even those who identify anywhere along this gender spectrum that we now have take on gendered appearances. If girls are transitioning to men, 
they wear their hair shorter, they look more rugged. Men, if they're transitioning to women, grow out their hair, begin to wear makeup. It seems that non-binary identity, that we need to get rid of the binary, there's no male and female, non-binary identity has now become binary appearance. That there is a clear image that you are trying to look like. And on an individual level with transgenderism, that's something that I don't understand. If there is no gender, if we're trying to tear down these societal structures, why do we take such pains for men to look like women and women to look like men? Just a question I have, just a thought. What about transgenderism and relationships? I have heard this on numerous interviews. I've read this numerous times that transgender people don't understand why if they are a man identifying as a woman or a woman identifying as a man, why cisgender, and I, I even I don't like that term cisgender, why cisgender or straight people don't want to date them. So if there's a man identifying as a woman, they're confused as to why straight men don't want to date them. Or if it's a woman transitioning to a man, they don't understand why women don't want to date them. They say that this should not be an issue. That you shouldn't look on the... It shouldn't be about, you know, who I am on the outside. It should be who I am on the inside. But then that just brings up a whole other thing of, well, it doesn't matter how you, how you are on the inside. Why make all of this transition? But that's besides the point. If I'm a straight man, and I am... And I am attracted to women, but not only that, biological women who don't have this disconnect. Why am I at fault for that? If that's who I am, I have fully embraced not only my biological sex, but I, I feel comfortable as a man in a man's body. And I am straight, I'm attracted to the opposite sex. Why am I all of a sudden the bad guy when I look at what appears to be a woman who is actually biologically a man, and say, no, that does not appeal to me. Why am I the bad guy? But also, this sounds a lot like this group or this ideology trying to impose its morality on someone else. Well, this is the way that we feel. We feel that this shouldn't matter to you, so if it does, then there's something wrong with you. But why is that the case? This has been how it's been. Men have been attracted to women. Women have been attracted to men since the dawn of humanity. So why, if we have to accept you for who you are, why can't you accept us for who we are? So that's transgenderism in relationships. That's something that I have, I have heard over and over again. What about transgenderism in society? What we're seeing is more and more trans athletes. And the ones getting attention normally are the men who transition to women. And the controversy revolves around the fact that a biologically male body produces testosterone, which helps with muscle mass and bone density, which are going to be very advantageous, especially if you work out, very advantageous in sports. Um, it, especially in what we've seen recently was a transgender woman, a, a man who transitioned to be a woman, recently won a cycling competition. And one of those, I believe it was the woman who came in third, said that it wasn't fair. 
because he had an advantage that they didn't have. Um, men and women are different, which is why they have their own sports categories. And when you introduce biological men into women's competitions, they will have the advantage because they are naturally stronger, especially being athletes who train and work out. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that I could get into an MMA match with Ronda Rousey and come out the victor. I don't think that. Because I haven't trained in an MMA, I will admit this, I don't work out very much. But I don't for a second expect to believe that if I were to get into a cage with her that I would come out the victor. I would admit that she, in that category, is stronger than me. But I don't think that we would say that it would be fair to put a male MMA fighter in the cage with Ronda Rousey and expect her to come out the victor. I think that we could all agree with that. But what we're seeing in society is more and more trans athletes, especially the men, going into the women's categories because they identify as a woman now and just completely blowing the women out of the water. And people say, well, you know, what can we do? They're women. Well, no, they're not. Now, yes, some might be taking testosterone blockers. Some might be taking hormone replacement uh, with estrogen. But even still, naturally, they they have been men most of their lives. And they, they have that bent, built up strength. But some of them are not taking hormone blockers. Some of them are still naturally allowing their bodies to produce testosterone. So in society, we're seeing that transgenderism is causing a huge ripple effect, especially when it comes to sports. What about medicine and science? Now, I'm confused with, and this is something that we oftentimes hear, I'm confused with the language that someone's sex is assigned at birth. Someone's sex is assigned? Are the doctors just arbitrarily marking boy or girl on people's birth certificates? Because as it has been traditionally and as it has been for thousands of years, someone's sex, their biological sex is not assigned. It is observed. I'm not talking about the outlier cases of intersex ambiguous genitalia, things like that. That's We're talking about, on average, the millions upon millions upon millions of cases of babies being born. The doctor looks at their genitalia and says, it's a boy or it's a girl. There's nowhere in between. Doctors are not arbitrarily assigning. Sex is observed and it is recorded. Also, what does transgenderism mean for doctor's visits? A doctor knows that medical treatment is sometimes different between men and women because their bodies are biologically different, they produce different hormones, they have different capacities in which they function. How are doctors supposed to treat those claiming to be the opposite of their biological sex, especially since it is now offensive and taboo to say if you identify as a woman... I'm sorry, we have to treat you as though you're biologically a man because you are. How are doctors supposed to do their jobs now? And actually, 
here recently, within this past week, the Trump administration has recently put out a memo, or this memo was leaked, that says that it will be defining sex as, quote, a biological immutable condition determined by genitalia at birth, and that's according to the New York Times. A biological immutable condition determined by genitalia at birth. My response is, so what? I thought that the transgender movement and the transgender community was concerned with gender, not sex. I thought that this was about identifying as something different than your biology, but now all of a sudden we see that it is important to not only have gender be on a spectrum, but now they are coming after biological sex being on a spectrum as well. There was, back in June, there was an article put out by CNN, June fifteenth, 2018, and the headline reads, He gave birth... He breastfed. Now he wants his son to see him as a man. Here's what the article says. Like many new dads, Sebastian Sparks' new parenting would come with serious challenges. But most new dads didn't give birth to their child. They didn't breastfeed them. And they don't endure glares from strangers when they go shopping with their wife and their toddler son. Sebastian, 24, is a transgender man who lives with his wife Angel in suburban Atlanta. Assigned the female gender at birth, he began transitioning five years ago. It's a process that felt more complete last month when he had surgery to remove his breasts. With Father's Day approaching, Sebastian finds himself thinking about gender roles and what this means to be a dad. He wants Jackson, their 20-month-old son, to have as normal a childhood as possible. And for the first time, he now feels at ease inside his own body. He hopes Jackson will see that difference. Quote, I'm going to be a better father being comfortable in myself and him seeing that confidence in me, he says. As a teen growing up in Locust Grove, Georgia, Sebastian felt different. Before he transitioned to become a man, he would sit on the school bus and think how he hated having breasts. Sebastian hoped that one day after saving enough money, his surgery could remove them. By the time Sebastian met Angel five years ago at a convention for transgender people, he identified as a man. Angel, 33, was designated male at birth but had transitioned years earlier. They both knew they wanted to be parents. After they were married in 2016, they agreed that Sebastian would carry their child, a decision, Angel Spark says, that wasn't taken lightly. Like many transgender men and women, they had been taking medication to increase the testosterone or estrogen in their bodies. So to make a baby, they briefly stopped taking their hormone pills. The couple conceived their son the conventional way, even though their biological roles at the time were not compatible with how they saw themselves. Um, I'm going to stop there. Uh, because I think that you get the point of what's going on with the article. When it comes to medicine and science and the transgender community, as is the case with Sebastian and Angel, if that is who they are, if Angel is a man who is a woman and Sebastian is a woman who is a man, then what they found is if they want to reproduce, they have to cancel and stop what they are doing to make that transition happen in order to naturally produce a child. 
when it comes to medicine and science, the, the logic is just not there when it comes to the transgenderism. It's just not there. So let's move on. Last category. What about transgenderism and women's rights? Now, it's interesting to me that these two issues are running side by side today. Are men who are identifying as women do the same respect from Me Too and Believe All Women movements? Are women identifying as men or somewhere in between, are they now exempt from these groups? But as it is, we see a movement seeking to erase gender and sex altogether. And it's some of these same people who are seeking to eradicate sex and gender who are also saying that they stand with women. If there are no differences between men and women and we're trying to get these gender norms erased, why have women's rights? Uh, Nancy Piercy in her book Love Thy Body says this, quote, To protect women's rights, we must be able to say what a woman is. If postmodernism is correct, that the body itself is a social construct, then it becomes impossible to argue for rights based on the sheer fact of being female. We cannot legally protect a category of people if we cannot identify that category. How does transgenderism, how does it face up to some of these basic facets of life that we come into contact with? Well, it starts to get a little confusing. In a lot of cases, the logic just doesn't hold up. And I don't say this to be mean. I don't say these things or bring out these thoughts to, to say, and, and here's another thing. Nobody that I know of, there's this lie that is being touted now uh, from the transgender community, especially because of the, the leaked Trump memo about the definition of sex. There's a lie that is going around that people want to erase transgender people's existence. That is not true. What I am saying, I do not say these things because I hate transgender people. I do not say these things because I don't love transgender people. I don't say these things to be mean or hateful or spiteful or any of those things or names that would probably be thrown at me. I say these things because when we look at transgenderism, the logic doesn't hold up to reality. But that is why they are trying to take reality and say that reality doesn't exist. That's why they have moved on from from gender being on a spectrum to now biological sex being on a spectrum that, that you cannot deny biological sex. And they recognize that and they say, well, then we need to erase that too. That is why I say these things because the logic does not hold up. And in next week's episode, what we are going to look at is now having looked at the logic of it, how should Christians respond whenever they encounter somebody who is transgendered? How should they go about relating to them? How should they go about responding to them? How should they go about building a relationship? And how should Christians be acting? I think that the answer is kind of obvious, but we're going to discuss it anyway. 
So I hope that you will join us for next week's episode. I'm sorry that this one was kind of long, but I thought that it was important especially uh, just given the climate that we're in and especially with all of the stuff in the news it it is just it's getting crazy so we need to think through logically and rationally about these things so thank you so much for being here today i do hope that you will join us uh, again next week and keep going to the daily apologist and reading up on all of the stuff that we have there hopefully you will find it informative and encouraging thank you for being here and have a nice day